everyone. Happy 2024. Yes. I already know we are deep into February, but I figured a New Year greeting was in order because this is our first podcast of the new year. I had taken some time off over the holidays as Jeff and I were traveling just a wee bit as we were in Australia for both work and play, then visiting family in Montana and Arizona, and then back over to New Zealand to visit family and explore. And Jeff got some surfing in, so it was nice, but it's been a lot. And it's taken me a second to get back into the swing with the podcast, but I am so happy to be back up and running. And I've got an incredible guest to start the new year out one who also isn't a stranger to traveling, my dear friend, Tracy Staten, the creator of the 30 Fortunate Movement. Tracy works as a coach and consultant for companies like, oh, Google and Netflix, to name a couple these days. Uh, and I met Tracy a few years ago at a fundraiser for a service mission she was organizing where she was to independently travel the globe for a year performing 34 acts of service. And what transpired afterwards was a friendship and she continues to inspire me and others whom she meets. And uh, I was very excited to get her on the podcast. So here is our interview and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks hey. for joining me. You are the first podcast of 2024. I almost said 2020. That's well, you know, 2020 fortunate. The last... See, and this is why we're talking. Yes. 2020 you are still fortunate. Coining the words. <laughs> that is right. I, I live them. I live them. And it's like part of my being, my essence. I met you in the 30 fortunate year of your life. So you, you, I don't know. I think, I think we met before that, but I think you oh, met me in my. In your 33rd. Wait, well, it was it was at a fundraiser, so and it was for thirty fortunate. So maybe, okay. yeah, you were just about to turn thirty four and and go on this yeah maybe. trip, which we will be discussing. But yeah. for sure, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. It might have been in my thirty free year yes. for you to make a difference in myself in the world, or it could yes. have been my thirty fortunate year just before I embarked on the journey. I don't know. I want to know <laughs> what who are you today? What are you now? I am actually 40 fortunate. 40 fortunate. Well, it's a secret. I'm it's not secret. telling. Yes, I'm yes. not telling. Yeah. yeah, we should keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm so excited for you to be on today. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you've had such a diverse background in, in multiple professional fields, you know, That's true. and, and you have seized, you know, even as you say on your website, I mean, you've seized opportunities, you've created unique life experiences. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I kind of feel connected to you in a way, because I too have had a varied, you know, career path. And I, you know, of course, I, I love your, your love of travel and, and how you incorporate service. And you had a conversation with someone on Oahu, correct? I did. Yeah. Okay. Tell tell me about that. So I was living my life, seizing opportunities, right? But uh, I have an attachment to Hawaii, and I used to work with surf competitions on the North Shore. I also did my master's degree in Hawaii, and I have yeah. to go back home to visit like my Hanai family every year. Love um, it. Or, or my soul feels lost. That's also, so, our, our Hawaii connection. Our Hawaii connection. <laughs> you went, you went to Hawaii, Hawaii Pacific University. 
That's correct. Was yeah. It? yeah. For my master's. Yeah. Nice. So okay. good memory. So <laughs> I was back on Oahu visiting Hanai family and friends. And I essentially like met with a grad school friend and he shared with me like how meeting me had kind of changed his perspective on things and how he was so much more adventurous. And I was kind of in this place in my life where I was feeling a little bit of a stirring and uh, I don't know how to explain it other than that. And I, he called me out actually. He was like, he's like, what happened to the girl that was going to travel and change the world? Oh, oh yeah. What happened <laughs> to that girl that you knew in grad school? Cause it had been a couple of years since we graduated. And, um, he told me about a harrowing journey that happened to him a bit inspired by, by me and having met me mm -hmm. because he chose to seize the moment and seize these opportunities. And it was life changing for him. Mm -hmm. And in turn inspired me to to reflect back on really who I was at my core. Was I living it safe? Was I living it true to my essence? Was I showing up every day how I had encouraged others to show up? And mm -hmm. the answer was was no. Like I didn't want to admit that out loud, but in my heart of hearts, it was a no. With some self-reflection on your own. Yeah, but yeah. also like a holy hit you upside the head and punch you in the <laughs> gut kind of a way. <laughs> so then you decided to act on it. Well, not a, not not like not right initially. away. It wasn't like all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to change everything about my life. Yeah. But there was, again, like that stirring mixed yeah. with this new revelation. And I remember being in a parking lot in Kailua mm -hmm. and having this vision or this... I don't, it wasn't like a vision. I didn't see anything, but it was just like a, I overcame and I remember just opening my mouth and saying to my friend, Lisa, that I was with Lisa, what about if I did 34 acts of service around the world in my 30 fortunate year of life? And like, I called it 30 fortunate and I was like, quit my job and just did this thing. And she said to me, that's crazy. But if anyone's going to do it, it'll be you. And we went along our merry way to go find some moomoos and, you know, check out the <laughs> local wares in the store we were walking into. And I was like, huh. And so it was kind of in that parking lot where the idea was born. Mm. But as with anything, it's like you battle with yourself. Is that, should I do this? But it was, it was, battle was more with like, how, what are the logistics? Like I kind of went into that logistics mode and what would this look like? And worst case scenario did. And yeah, I was gonna. I was about to implode my life. I just wasn't sure <laughs> what that looked like. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, shake it up totally. a little. Shake so it up. So what? What did this implosion actually look like in real life? You know, yeah, like, from parking you, lot to yeah, living yeah. my purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from parking lot to living my purpose. Um, okay, so I love how you put I, it. Yeah, <laughs> I had to quit. I had to quit my stable government job. Mm -hmm. Which is scary, right? Uh, we exist in a world where stability is created a lot of times within our day-to-day -day life. And then a lot of our identity is attached to that as well. So I knew that I was going to quit my stable government job, that I was going to have to rent my house out, that um, I was going to have to put all my stuff in storage, that I was going to have to figure out what to do with my car. And was I, you know, there's just a lot of logistics when you right. unravel your life. Uh, and then, and then obviously, well, not so obviously, I'm not independently wealthy, right? So I needed to save a lot of money. And then obviously, I needed to raise money for the 
nonprofits that I was going Mm -hmm. to serve along this journey. And it turns out that traveling the world is expensive. (laughs) And it turns out that actually sometimes a service component can add expense to that due to charitable contributions, donations, paying for housing at that Mm -hmm. location. There's just other things that go along with having a charitable component from a giving sense and monetarily and of time. And how did you know that you wanted to incorporate the service aspect to your journey? Yeah, like from the moment in the parking lot. I, okay. I always in grad school. So when I got called out, he he had said like, you were going to travel the world. And that was my yeah. plan after grad school. I was going to travel the world. That was the thing. It didn't have a service component then. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I was going to do that, it needed to have purpose behind it. I, yeah. I didn't want to just put loose and fancy free travel, which is amazing. Right. And I do that on my vacation. Right. But like, uh, (laughs) it needed to have some sort of meaning. I didn't want to wander aimlessly. And how did you choose the organizations that you initial, that you eventually decided upon? So honestly, I threw my arms wide open and I said, what do you know about people? Like to my network and and people came flooding back with things they were passionate Mm -hmm. about, organizations they were a part of. And I did know that there was a couple of things that, I wanted to incorporate just from a personal sense. I wanted to do something with HIV because my uncle Mm -hmm. passed away from AIDS back when in like the eighties, nineties, when it was really sweeping the nation as a, as a, an issue. And now like we've had medical advances and things, but that doesn't mean that other countries are to the place that we are. So I wanted to give back in that way. I wanted to do something with Habitat for Humanity because my grandfather built homes with president Carter and he was a carpenter. So I had that. And I also had been working in aquatics as a lifeguard on and off since I was little 16-year-old Tracy. And the job that I was vacating was overseeing a premier aquatic facility in Southern California. So I wanted to do something with drowning prevention. So I had to figure that out. And then something with dental hygiene because my mom's a dental hygienist. So I wanted to honor kind of my life's path and the people that had shaped my life. But also, mm. like, I didn't care. It, the journey wasn't about me per se. It was really how can I serve and bring attention to different causes. And so I was like, I can dig latrines. I can teach English. I can, I mean, you name it. And I was, the, no was not in my in my vocabulary right. if it was accessible to, to get to and if it made sense and if it worked for the organization as well. Like, I didn't want to be a burden on any right. organization either. You were so inspiring. (laughs) And, um, you know, I would think that it would inspire anyone out there to just go for whatever idea or dream or, you know, whisper in their ear that they've had for a while. And you've shown that it's possible. And, and then along with it comes the incredible experiences and growth and lessons. And, you know, I know it's, you know, it tends to change the trajectory of one's life. So, okay. So tell, tell me what more of, what did it look like? What, so you, you put it out there to your, you know, your friends, your, your network of um, colleagues, your friends, and uh, knew that you wanted to incorporate a certain um, aspects into it based on your own personal experiences and, and family. And so you started collecting an itinerary and was it 30, yeah. was it 34 places or 34 acts in your 34th year? Was that right? Or yeah, it was that's 34 amazing. acts, but not okay. necessarily 34 okay. locations. 
Okay. So I was in 27 countries Mm -hmm. and some of those I didn't do acts of service in like El Salvador. I had to go through to get to the next place on my list, but it was just the route that I took on, on land. But I only count the country if I actually had boots on the ground in the country, if it was like a layover in Germany or something, and I never left the Frankfurt airport, then like, don't count that. Right. But if I was actually in, yeah, if I was actually in country, so it ended up being 27 countries, but Mm -hmm. 34 acts of service because I did more than one project in some countries. I did more than one here in the U S so for countries per se. So where did you begin? Yeah. So I began here in Southern California where I live on Thanksgiving day. Cause what better day to feel fortunate than yes. on Thanksgiving. Uh, so I started here and then I went from here to best friends animal sanctuary, which is in Utah. And then I went to Wisconsin, which is where I was born and raised. And then from there I left and I went to Mexico city. And that was my first international destination mm-hmm. from there. I went through but, and tell yeah, me what, what did you do? What, what did you provide while you were there in Mexico city? Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, yeah, oh, next. Well, if we're gonna go location by location, we're gonna, we're gonna go need a location lot by a, podcast. and that's okay. <laughs> we're gonna need a lot longer podcast. But uh, so essentially, Best Friend Animal Sanctuary is a sanctuary for animals that were abused or neglected or abandoned, mm-hmm. and it's I think the biggest animal sanctuary in the country, if not the world. And so I <laughs> actually funny story. I yeah. you you pick kind of what you're gonna do before you get there, and it is such a meaningful organization. I did volunteer in the cat sanctuary area and (laughs) I had an elderly cat that gets taken on walks every day. And I remember though, having a moment where I had this cat in the stroller and it's cold outside. And I'm like, I quit my job to like (laughs) walk a cat in a stroller. Like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I mean, and I'm sure it was really meaningful for the cat. (laughs) I definitely had a minute where I was like, hold up. I'm only in like week two. And that's awesome. "Hmm." Like, I'm not sure, but I had a giggle about it because I definitely did a lot of other things at Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. But I did have a moment where I was like, this is it, huh? Okay. Uh, and I have a picture of me and that cat in the stroller, like having a moment. Sure. So, uh, but from there, like I did work with the CP center in green Bay. We actually did a whole, uh, fundraiser for the CP center where we did laps on a track at the local university there. And I rallied a bunch of friends and a bunch of people from the CP center. And we did, we raised tons of funds for that organization. I did a shoe collection there that benefited another organization and then rallied a bunch of my friends in Milwaukee and other people, not just my friends. So it was mm-hmm. random people with friends yep. of friends of friends too, um, that to organize the shoes and make sure they were in pairs and then put them in boxes so they could be shipped where they would be of most use. And so it was really like this this thing where it was like so many other people got involved and events were created and funds were raised beyond the funds that I raised. And it inspired other people to, to do things that were not everybody. Okay. Let me put it out there. Not everybody should quit their job and travel the world for a year. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Doing acts of service. Like I'm just saying, start where you are and do what you're moved to do. You know, it really wasn't just about me. Like other people got inspired for their own actions. And I'm not saying that everyone should quit their job and travel the world doing acts of service in whatever capacity. Like if you want to like go on with your bad self, like do what you're moved to do. 
But if you're moved to just volunteer locally or to take a trip and volunteer internationally, that's also cool. Like whatever you are called and moved to do is beautiful. And 30 Fortunate definitely inspired people to mm-hmm. give. In fact, when you came back, you you kind of took that out there to the world, right? Or to um, your community and started to speak about it and bring it into schools and tell yeah, a little definitely. bit about that. So I, yeah, I definitely went to some schools. I spoke at the California Women's Conference and I was encouraging people and organizations to commit to four acts of service a year so everyone could be more fortunate, four acts, fortunate. Yes. And that's once a quarter. And so companies definitely got on board, individual schools, and it was it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could be something as simple as walking your elderly neighbor across the street. Like you said, it doesn't have to be this grand thing where you're traveling across the world and digging ditches and you know whatever it is. It, Wherever. it can be anything. <laughs> so so yeah, it can be anything, big or small. Yeah, like you said, just taking your elderly neighbor for a walk, taking their garbage out, right? Volunteering at your kid's school to read. Did you say like, taking your garbage out? <laughs> sorry, taking your neighbor's garbage out? Oh, oh I was going to say, I'm, I'm elder- sure like your significant other might. <laughs> Would you at least add this to the list? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, if I said that I misspoke, I meant taking no. like, your elderly or your ill, your maybe someone's under the weather and you take their right. I don't know, like. It just, it doesn't have to be like implode your life and, exactly you know, put your everything in storage and pack it yeah. into a red backpack and, and leave for a year. It doesn't have to be that. Which is what you did. You had a, yeah. a, a little backpack. Yeah. I had my big, oh, well, it was a big backpack. It was like big a backpack. 70 liter. Yeah. It's yeah. big red. It's known as big red. Yes. Do you and still it have went big everywhere. Red? <laughs> yeah. Red. Big red and I Good. just took a trip uh, recently nice. to have a soup pie fall. So. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Big red is there for life. Um, Big red forever. Can't get rid of it. It's like an it's no, appendage you can't. now. It is. It's an appendage. It's like part of me. <laughs> okay. Well, you went everywhere. You went all these places. You had all these experiences. Is there something that stood out to you? I mean, I'm sure there's a million. But what are what are some? Yeah, I, I know. I always <laughs> have, love to ask you this. But what are some of the things that just when you think back to it, and you're like, you know. Maybe I maybe I now see things in a different way, or um, I don't know. I, I really felt like I impacted that person or that place. Anything that you? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> so it's many. really hard to yeah, like it's really hard to I pick. Know. Like just just one. Um, I think I think oh, man, First something are flooding my brain. First thing that comes <laughs> to my head is is always is always a little boy that I met in mm. um, Tanzania. But I think another one is when well, tell me, I what, was, what, what's this? <laughs> yeah, what's that one about? Um, uh, so I talk about this a lot when I do speaking engagements, and it's essentially not no, thinking that you know better, not making assumptions mm-hmm. that you know better. And so I had been trying, this does not paint me in a good light. So I'm going to preface that for anyone listening. Um, I, but I'm going to lean into my Brene Brown and show some like vulnerability. <laughs> and, uh, I have been traveling for about a year with my big red backpack and I had been in many places where not everyone necessarily looks the same as I do. I have light hair and blonde eyes and pale skin when I'm not in the sun for a while. And so I was in places where like people had never seen 
local populations had never seen someone with blue eyes, let's say. So it was just, I was different and interesting. But also when some of the populations that I had met had seen people that were different and interesting like me, they, I was met with a lot of joy, but I was also met with a lot of like, gifty, gifty, sweetie, sweetie, because we have a really great sense of like wanting to give, which is what I was on the, on the journey doing. But it was sometimes more of a handout than a hand up, which a handout can also be great in the moment, right? Um, but normally people that appeared like me gave gifts. And so it became like, oh, she must have something for us. And I had my big red backpack and a big heart and a lot of, I was giving of my talents and not necessarily, I didn't have a lot of treasure to give in those moments, right? Not because I didn't want to, but because also like I lived in a backpack. And so when I ended in Tanzania, ended up in, in Tanzania in about six months through my journey, I met a little boy. I had just gotten to the nonprofit I was working with. I was hot. I hadn't showered in days. I had actually had heat rash in my elbow crevices because I hadn't showered and I was sticky and I, you know, it just, ugh. so I put my backpack down and I got onto the playground. I'm like, okay, like I'm going to meet these kids. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, these, they all come running up to me and this little boy, the first one that I talked to, he says, I say, hi, I'm Tracy. What's your name? And he says, gifty, with both hands out, like in front of him to the side, gifty. And I said, mm. like in my inside, I just feel like I'm boiling, like my blood is boiling. And I'm like, mm. no, my name is Tracy. What's your name? And he says, gifty, again, with both hands out. <sighs> And I take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, we're going to try this one more time. <laughs> My name is Tracy. What is your name? And he said, Gifty. Is his name Gifty? <laughs> yes! His mother, his mother gave him such a beautiful gift that she named him Gifty. And oh. I felt like he's the biggest gift that's been given to me. Like, oh. I... I thought I knew and I was going to teach this little kid not to be so greedy. And yeah. in turn, he taught me not to think that I know better and yeah. that I should, you know, make these assumptions. And I just, I carry that gifty with me Aww. everywhere I go. Like he's always with me and he always will be. And well, it's a he was so kind and forgiving that he was still like my little buddy, even though Aww. I was pretty like rude in the beginning, to be <laughs> honest. Like, and he, he also showed me forgiveness and compassion Right. He could have just been like, yeah. screw this lady. She's terrible. Yeah. But no, like, he yeah. showed me so much about how I want to show up in the world. Oh, I love that. I love that story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just was one in, of many. Yeah. One of many. Okay. What was, what was, what was the other one that you're about ready to, to share? Well, I went to, I was working with HIV patients uh, and I was visiting their homes in Africa with um, a man that, also had HIV himself and felt that he wanted to give back to his community. And so we would go and we would check on families, how they were doing. And obviously, like, when you have HIV, one, there's your immunocompromised. And two, it's harder to have work, find work, be able to physically do work, right? So we visited a home where the woman had gotten HIV in a health clinic. And she brought it home and her family then contracted HIV or her husband did. 
And so he used to be a, a long distance truck driver and he just did not have the stamina anymore to do that when he, so I asked them like, if there was one thing that would change your life, what would that look like? And I had asked this question to a lot of people in my journey and just curiosity and, you know, shoes or a new house or a million dollars or whatever the case may be and like new Jordans. Um, and I, he said, chickens. And I said, chickens. And he said, yeah, if I had chickens, then I could not only sell the eggs, but I could feed my family and I could also like breed the chickens and sell it. So he had this whole entrepreneurial thing. And I was like, how much are chickens? And so I went to the village negotiator. There's, that's a thing. What? And a village <laughs> negotiator. Like we were like, okay, we're going to go to the village negotiator. So we went to the village negotiator and she negotiated chickens and feed. Cause I didn't just want to give them chickens and not a way to feed them. And so I put some of the funds that I fundraised towards this gift and, um, and it was like $50 for like, I don't know, a decent number of chickens and enough food for months. And this man was so thankful and he, he didn't know it was coming. It was, you know, definitely, I wasn't asking him so that I could fairy godmother him something, right? Because gifty, gifty, sweetie, sweetie, I wasn't handing out to everyone I met. But this was certainly a hand up and I, his life was, was improved for the better. And it was for what we spend on, you know, a, a dinner out maybe, and not even a, a nice one, right? Like yeah. just yeah. a chain restaurant dinner. So yeah. yeah, that was, it was just a beautiful thing to be like, th- it was not only like small things can make a big difference, but also like think bigger, right? right? Because he wasn't thinking in immediate, tangible, monetary things. He was like, how right. can I double X? How can I, you know, right. what would really impact me? Yeah. And that changed his life. I mean, that, yeah. I'm I mean, sure. he could no longer provide for his family and this mm. gave him an opportunity for a better life for him and his family with, you know, we all have struggles. His was mm. not being able to do his job and his wife couldn't go back to the clinic and work. And so we all have obstacles. None of us have yeah. this like perfect life, but he was, he was working with, with the challenges and figuring out how he could still continue forward. He didn't let himself fall victim to like, oh, this is my life story and I'm spiraling, right? Right. What can I do? He was a big thinker. He was a big thinker in a bad bad circumstance, right? Do you still keep in touch with any of these people that you've met along the way? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I totally keep in touch with quite a few of them. Obviously, it's harder for some to keep in touch with than others. I was deep in the Amazon jungle where they have two hours by generator every day. And so I can't really keep, but I know people that go to that community regularly to serve them. And so I send messages or I send well wishes, or sometimes if, if I can, like I'll send like a a gift, like a Mm. something sweet for me, not this grandiose thing because logistically that's hard too. But Yeah. yeah, so I do, I keep in touch with them and actually the, man that I worked with Robert on the HIV project passed away and his daughter found my information in his, in his notes. And she wrote me an email and it brought me to tears. And it was just like, I don't know you. I've never met you, but I was going through my father's belongings and you were important to him. And I want oh. to let you know of his passing. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Of his passing and that you, that you made an impact. Oh, she took the time to like send me an email from, you know, Africa to let me know. Oh my and gosh. It was a sad moment, but it was also <laughs> beautiful because 
he impacted yeah. me and, and to know that I made a difference too. Like it's beautiful. When that makes everything <laughs> worth it. That makes everything. Yeah. That's why you yeah. do what you have done. Yeah. It was a beautiful uh, moment, but also a sad one. Yeah. Life is full of joys and sorrows and right. that's what makes life beautiful. That's true. So how, what was your childhood like? Was, was service work stressed? Was like, what, how did you grow up? Yeah. So my family didn't have like of abundance. We were comfortable for sure. Uh, but my grandparents, I remember being a child and always saying like, yeah, we're going to go to church and we're going to feed the homeless. And so I remember being a small kid and putting like mashed potatoes in someone's plate and then eating at the same tables and chatting and learning about people. And I have, I think I carried that with me without realizing how impactful it was and Mm. volunteering at the local theater to be an usher and volunteering at races and I don't know, wherever. It was just always a thing. I was like, yeah, why don't we volunteer for that? Right. So I carried it with me in my heart of hearts, but I don't know that I realized to the extent that service was a part of me. Well, if it's introduced at such a young age, it just becomes a part of you, I would think. Does your family still participate? Yeah, Yeah, my, uh, my mom and stepdad, they live in Portland now. And they volunteer multiple times a week because they're both retired uh, at ushers at different at the theater company, the mm-hmm. Portland Five. And so they're constantly like, oh, we're going to work. And they're yeah. really going to volunteer a lot yeah. of times for kids for kids shows because it's hard to get people in matinees like the school kids coming. It's hard to get volunteers at that time. So they pick up some of the ones that maybe are harder to get volunteers for. It's pretty easy to get a volunteer for a big Broadway show, which right. they still do. But like it's the ones that are a little more challenging to to fill yeah. spots for. Well, I know a lot of people will be inspired <laughs> after listening to you. What is something that people can do today to continue the movement that you started? I mean, uh, if they would love to commit to Forex of Service, it's not any official thing right thing now as far anymore. as anymore. Um, you know, it it's you can commit to four acts of service in the year. That's great. And just hold yourself accountable, just like a new year's resolution, right? Mm -hmm. We generally don't have accountability people for that. So I hope people would be inspired to at least do four acts of service, big or small. Again, Mm -hmm. that could be reading at your local library to kids or becoming a big brother, big sister, whatever that is like just committing to giving back and paying it forward. There's a quote that like a smile is the shortest distance between two people. And I think like acts of service are an extension of that smile. Right. I love that. Um, Yeah. So I try and, and we, and a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. So if we can all like light each other's candles when we're feeling dark, like the world's a brighter place. So whatever you can do to brighten the world. (laughs) You are full of (laughs) quotes and phrases. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And then today, who are you today? What, what, what do you do? How do you fill your experience with 30 fortunate has shaped you, your view of the world, people, life today? I mean, my view is that the world is an inherently good place and people have great intentions. And if you put goodness out, goodness comes back. I think there are some bad apples out there, but we can't focus our energies on that because they're not lighting other candles. They're trying to blow them out. So we have to light them faster than they can be blown out. 
Um, one of my biggest questions was like, aren't you, weren't you scared? And I feel like if you approach the world with fear, then you see scary things. And if you approach the world with love and openness, then that comes back in return. And I'm proof of that, right? Like I, I, there were some times where I was scared on 30 fortunate and every time someone showed up, like every time. What was one of your closest calls? Well, so I was, um, in Paraguay and I crossed the border from Brazil into Paraguay and it's a very long story, but there was like a border issue and I didn't get a passport stamp. And I was, I basically didn't exist for a little bit because I had been checked out of bed. I, yeah, I never actually left Brazil because they didn't stamp my passport and I never entered Paraguay. So it was like technically in Brazil. And then I got stamped out. It was like a whole thing anyway. uh, So I was on the bus in the middle of the night and I was, uh, it's supposed to get dropped off at a train station and it wasn't going to be or a bus station, but it wasn't going to be light out yet. And one of the people on the bus was like, you don't want to be there. Uh, let, come with me and my wife and we will put you in a cab with us and we'll take. So this could have been like a very scary situation, but he was like a pastor. And it was one of those things where I was like, I go yeah. to a place that's really not the best from what I can see out the window. Or do I go with this man and trust? And I trusted the cab and I trusted. Mm -hmm. And it was really good that I did because the address of where I was supposed to go was incorrect. And so I would have been trying to get somewhere that didn't exist. But then like the cab driver and the pastor helped me like figure out where I was supposed to go and got me there. And plus like I'm already scared because I'm supposed to be where I am because I'm illegal. I mean, I'm just totally in a foreign right. country and no one actually knows where I am oh according to goodness. like my passport entry and entry. So, I mean, <laughs> but people showed up, like I yeah. got to where I was supposed to go. Bad things could have happened, but I had to like trust. Yeah. I, I mean, you could get hit by walking across the street. I mean, yeah, you just have, you can't go through life expecting. You can't go through that. And had happened. I approached it with fear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is the energy that would have come out. And I probably would have seemed like more of a victim. Right. Yeah. And then someone that with bad intentions may have like seen that you don't know, like you don't right. know. I'm not saying bad things don't happen to good people either. I'm just saying my experience is put out good, get back good. Like right. see the world through rose colored glasses and it looks rosy. And you are now speaking these days. I do. Yeah. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I speak on mindset. I do incorporate stories from 30 fortunate. Yeah. Uh, I speak on leadership mm-hmm. as well. Cause that's something very near and dear to my heart. I've always been a servant leader and I like to talk about authentic leadership and different kinds of leadership styles and communication and how we can meet each other where we are. And like yeah. all of us can stretch a little bit to make that connection. I like to talk about it in a sense from like, if you have, if you're trying, if you're in a foreign country, here we go. If we're in a foreign country and you're trying to plug in your hairdryer, right? But the voltage is different. If you try and do that, you're going to have an explosion. And Mm. that's the same thing as when Mm. we communicate, right? If we don't use, if we don't adapt our communication style, like using an electrical adapter, like we have to in foreign countries, then we all are just going to end up with explosions. We're never going to make the connection that makes the light go on. So we have to adapt our communication a bit to create that authentic connection so that we can have more light. Do you just lie there at night thinking of these things? (laughs) (laughs) Just comes naturally to you. 
you wake up with like moments of genius. I don't know. Uh, but no, like it's, uh, it's because it comes through me because it's authentic to me. Yeah. I know. But yeah, like, yeah, it really is when you talk about things that are true to your authentic yeah. self, you can like tell. it can't yeah. tell. But right. but have it seek for yeah right right so okay so um I I know that there was a period of time after you came back from your journey to to now um yeah. that there there was a moment we were kind of searching and soul searching and going I've had this incredible experience how do I incorporate how do I go from that to where I am today and I I think what you're doing today is the perfect transition the perfect you know, thing for you right now. And who knows what will be in, in the near future. You know, I still think you yeah. should write a movie about and write a book about, you know, I, I know you started a little bit. I was like trying to inspire you, but, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to um, say that's off the table. Yes, like it's still yes. in the works. It's just <laughs> not quite across the finish line yet, but I, yes. I have big visions of that being part of yeah. this, my story to share yeah. other people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And how can people find you today? Um, and be, well, before yeah. that, what is, is there, is there anything that you want to leave us with? Well, I know there's so many nuggets of inspiration that you have, but any, any one last thing that you haven't had a chance to talk about, or you want to share? Well, I really, if you feel so moved, follow the movement, mm -hmm. right? Like not the 30 fortunate movement, but whatever your movement is. Whatever that yeah. looks like for you. If there's a stirring, like try and act on it, explore it. We get, you know, there's that famous quote, we get one wild and crazy life. So seize the wild and crazy life you have. Like what would your 80 year old self yeah. want for you? I like to yeah. think of it that way. What would yeah. my 80 year old self want? And when I'm looking back on my life and when you're looking back on yours, what are those things that you're going to be like, Oh, I wish I would have. Yeah. How, how do you how do you make sure that you look back and maybe those don't exist for you? And you don't have those regrets. And you yeah. don't have those regrets because you don't get a do over. Mm -mm. So, yeah. well, I think this is a, a great place to end, and I just invite you to uh, let people know how you can be found, your websites, your social handles, whatever it is, and then I'll include them as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So my email, well, not my email, sorry, my website, yeah. or you can email me. Well, That's also can, yeah. possible <laughs> through the website. <laughs> you can email me because it's all very much the same, but yeah. my uh, website is www.tracystaton.com. T-R-A-C-Y-S-T-A-Y-T-O-N.com. It's my name. Can't really mess it up unless you don't spell <laughs> it right. Um, and then my social handles are the same at Tracy Staten. So you can find me there you can follow me there. I would love to engage with you. I'd love to speak to your organization or group. Please reach out um, if that's yeah. something that resonates with you. And stay tuned for, you know, the book. Because yeah. Caroline is really good at motivating. And really good. <laughs> at, I mean, she has a book herself. So uh, always an inspiration you, to see someone else, you know, doing the thing that you're aspiring to well, do with no regret. Thank you. Well, I, I feel the same way about you and I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast. I know I've been wanting you to be on for a little while now. And I'm, uh, I think this is the perfect way to start the, the new year, um, with your beautiful smile and, and inspiring <laughs> words and, um, and everything that you offer. And I just think that you're such a gift, um, 
to uh, not only to, you know, all of us and your friends, but just just to people that you haven't met. And um, I just see wonderful, wonderful things for your your present and your future. And I'm just so happy and grateful to have met you and know you. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I think it's going to be a 2020 fortunate year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tracy Staten. And honestly, I'm I'm glad that she talked about the fortunate movement that she started. I know she's not these days focusing as much on it, uh, but it is something that she's put out there, uh, something that still lives on, <laughs> something that I participated in, and something that I feel is so easy to do, literally just committing to four, four good things for good deeds, for acts of service, whatever you want to call it in a year. And I feel like it is more necessary today than ever with what it seems to be so much negativity and turmoil in the world. How nice would it be to feel as though you have added a little bit of good back into the world? How nice would it feel to receive that? Um, and if you want to find out more, you can uh, follow the uh, Be Fortunate movement at B-E, the number four, T-U-N-A-T-E. Or you can follow Tracy at Tracy Staten. Um, then lastly, you know, some people have been asking me, how do I follow the show? And basically just go to the Interesting Life's main podcast page. So that's the one that lists all of the Interesting Life episodes. And you'll see the word follow under the logo if you're on Spotify. And then you just click that. Or if you're on the Apple podcast platform, there will be a little plus sign on uh, the same main Interesting Life podcast page that lists all the episodes. Uh, also, Apple did a little update. So to continue to get the podcast to show up in your feed once a new episode comes out, which I am trying to make it every other week, I'm trying to do two, uh, two podcasts a month. All you have to do is on Apple Podcasts, just go to that little button on the upper right-hand corner of that main page for The Interesting Life, and then you turn on automatic downloads. So then you won't miss an episode. So I just want to thank you again for joining me today. As always, if you like what you've heard today, you know what I will ask, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow the interesting underscore life podcast on Instagram, leave Apple and Spotify reviews, and generally do all the things that you would to do to support a podcast you enjoy. Thanks. And until next time, be inspired to live an interesting life. Bye-bye.